Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining back here with us for this series, We the Church. Uh, today is actually the last day you will see me with my pre kind of like COVID haircut from Krista. As of Monday, I'm actually getting a haircut. Hey, so, I did um, a just fine job. <laughs> I, I know, I'm, just, I'm just saying, this is the last time they're going to see a Krista uh, haircut, I think, ever. Uh, we're not keeping it going. Uh, so, yeah, that's happening. And I hope in your life uh, that you're continuing to see Jesus in your life and move in your life. And today, we want to continue on in this series together. We've learned a lot of important things over this series. We've learned that when the Holy Spirit, He fills the room and that He can fill you and that that's part of what the church is, people filled with the Spirit. We've taken a look at how we're called to share our lives together. We've taken a look at radical generosity. And then last week, we took a look at healing. And today, I want to take a look at something that's been a part of every single week, but we do need to talk about like explicitly. We do need to say that this is absolutely an essential of church. And today, what I want to talk about is how the church is not only grounded in Jesus, but that the church is about sharing Jesus, right? That that is part of church. It is about sharing and speaking and learning and preaching and teaching about Jesus. That the church is about sharing Jesus. So that's what I want to explore with you and me today. And I want to take a look at how the early church actually talked about Jesus. Because in some ways, as I'll show, in some ways, I think that there are some differences between how we think about and speak about Jesus and how the early church did. And as always, I want the early church to ground our imagination. I want the early church to be the grounding for our understanding of who church is. I want this scripture in Acts 2 that I'm about to read again to just really sink into our souls, sink into our imaginations, and to let that be our starting point. I want to let uh, this scripture really ground us and center us. So I want to begin, as I have each and every week, reading Acts 2. And I hope by the end of this that you might even almost have this memorized just by how many times we're repeating it and going back to it. I think that that matters. We read this. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. We're going to talk about that next week, actually, the Lord's Supper, Communion, Eucharist. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so what we read really clearly right at the very beginning, right at the very start, says this, and all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And does anyone want to take a guess what the apostles were teaching about, right? Like Jesus, right? Like Jesus, Jesus, always Jesus. That's who the apostles were preaching. That's who the apostles were teaching about. That's where the apostles were sharing. And I want to give you some examples of this by taking a look at how Peter and John speak about Jesus, by taking a look at how Peter and John preach and teach and share about Jesus through looking at some of their sermons found in Acts 2, 3, and 4 today. I just want to give you kind of the highlights of how they actually talk about John, uh, talk about John, talk about Jesus, uh, Peter and John, and how then we can learn from them and how we too can speak and preach and share Jesus. So I want to begin in Acts 2. And in Acts 2, if you remember from the very first week, what's happened is there's a crowd that's gathered, right? There's a crowd that's heard of them speaking in these different languages in and through the Holy Spirit. And so what ends up happening is Peter begins to preach. And I'm not going to take a look at the entirety of Peter's sermon. You should read it. It is uh, deep and spectacular in so many ways. Uh, but today I want to take a look at his main point, kind of his crescendo, kind of like where he is moving towards. And this is how he kind of ends his sermon. This is how he winds it up. This is what he's driving towards. And he says this, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. So he speaks boldly and he says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. 
For Peter, it's all about Jesus, right? That Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is Savior. And for Peter, what I find is interesting, if you notice and you think about this deeply, for Peter, the point is never really to believe in Jesus, like that matters, but really what the point is, is to follow Jesus, right? It's not just belief, it's actual following. And we see this in the next few verses. And so this is what happens that we read this. It says, and Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, what should we do? And Peter replied, this is his reply, each of you must repent for your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And like I've preached many times here, repentance. Repentance does not mean feeling bad for your sins. That is not what repentance is about. Repentance is about life change. Repentance is about turning in a new direction. Repentance is about following in a new direction. So Peter here, when he's preaching, it's always about Jesus. It's driving people towards Jesus. But it's not just believing in Jesus that he wants. It's that he wants to see people follow Jesus, right? To actually submit to him as Lord, as Messiah, as Savior, not just in their beliefs, but in their actions, in their hearts, in the way that we live, right? That's what Peter is driving towards. So what we see right off the bat in Acts 2 is that Peter, when he is preaching and teaching, it's about Jesus and it's driving people towards Jesus. We see this again in Acts 3. And here I want to read just a, a little bit of the sermon that Peter preaches after the crowd has gathered, after the healing of the man that we looked at last week. And so we read this. And so it says, Peter saw his opportunity. I love that, right? He sees all of a sudden a moment, right? There is a moment to speak about Jesus. And this is what I want us to get in the habit of doing, to look for those moments and then to take those moments, to be bold and courageous. That's what Peter does. And Peter saw his opportunity and he addressed the crowd. He says, as people of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we are made, uh, as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness, right? Because Peter knows, remember from last week, it's not him that healed the man, it's Jesus, right? That's what he's going to drive towards. It's Jesus, Jesus, always Jesus. That's the center of the church, center of Christianity, and it should be the center of our lives. He says this, For is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus who you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. Like, Peter's pretty bold. He's pretty straight. He says this, You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the uh, release of a murderer. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. And we, listen to this, and we are witnesses to this fact. Right? And what... There's so much in this, but what you get a sense of is that Peter is always seeking to focus in on Jesus and to draw people's attention to Jesus. That's what's going on. And even when he's um, talking about the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, remember, he's saying that the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that that leads somewhere and that that leads to Jesus. This is his point. And what I love about this sermon that he gives is that Peter grounds his belief in Jesus, follow with me, in his actual firsthand experience of Jesus. That's what grounds this entire sermon, right? That he actually knows Jesus, that he's actually seen Jesus, that he's actually experienced Jesus. What does the text say? The text says this, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And it says this, and we are witnesses to this fact. Peter and John are not passing on secondhand information or theories or opinions. They are passing on what they are witnesses to. And they are testifying to the reality of Jesus as active in their lives and in the lives around them and in their day. That's what they're saying. They're saying Jesus is active right here. We are witnesses to it. We have seen him and we know him. I want to move on to Acts 4 where Peter and John are arrested. We see this theme pretty consistently through Acts. And again, though, even as they're arrested, they just keep speaking about Jesus, right? Because that's what the church is. We're going to get there. But what the church is, is a people who speak and share about Jesus, right? That's what the church is. And so we read this in Acts 4. They're arrested um, by the religious leaders and rulers. And then we read this. It says this. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, 
rulers and elders of our people. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Like, listen to him. He's just so straight. He said, let me clearly state to all of you and to all people of Israel. Like, he's pulling no punches. He wants to be so, so clear and unambiguous about this. He says this, that this man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Amen? That's what he's going for. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He says, this man who you crucified, remember they did, he's just pointing it out and challenging them and driving this towards them, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is no salvation in uh, anyone else. It says this, and God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So what we see in Acts 2, 3, and 4 is that whenever Peter and John get an opportunity to speak, they're speaking about Jesus. And in this passage, they're just showing that everything leads to Jesus. And even as they interpret other scriptures in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, follow with me, the lens they bring is that this should reveal and speak about Jesus. That's what they start to show. And I just think that this is amazing. I think that this is what church is. The church is really not only founded on Jesus, it's about sharing and speaking about Jesus, right? That's what we see in these passages. The church is not only founded in Jesus, but it's also about us speaking and witnessing and testifying and sharing Jesus. That's what church is. It is a people. It's a people grounded in Jesus who are also willing to share and to learn and to teach and to speak about Jesus. That's church. That's part of it. It's not just random gatherings. It's gathering together for Jesus to share him with one another. That's what it's about. And I think that's what matters for us to understand. Um, and so what I want to do now is in some ways, is in some ways to change gears a little bit. Because I think so far, I think so far, many of you, at least I hope, are kind of on board. Right? If you're like, yeah, church should be about sharing and speaking about Jesus, hopefully you're like, yes, amen, like this stuff matters, of course. But today I want to change gears a little bit because I want to notice really specifically how the early church talks about Jesus, how Peter and John talk about Jesus, and then how we should. Because what I think has happened in the modern day Western church is that we actually have missed some of the point. That when we start thinking about speaking and sharing of Jesus, I think that many of us, our first thought goes to like sermons like this. Our first thought goes to like Bible studies or apologetics or sharing scripture or whatever. And I don't think any of that is wrong because obviously um, a huge amount of my time goes into like sermons, Bible studies and scripture and all of that. But I want to notice a difference in the early church and how Peter and John talk about Jesus. Because when they talk about Jesus, follow with me, they don't start with theory. They don't start with abstracts. They don't even start with sermons. What they start with is their personal experience with Jesus. That's their starting point. Their personal encounter with Jesus. Their personal, actual, real-life relationship with Jesus. And I want to show you this from the text because I think it does change things. Okay, so I want to read a few more of these passages and take a look at how they're beginning and starting with their actual relationship with Jesus. So we read this in the very first in Acts 2. It says this, And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So what are the apostles' teaching? Right? What they have seen and heard from Jesus directly, right? They're teaching about Jesus's ministry to them directly. They're sharing their firsthand encounters and experience with Jesus, with those around them. That's where it begins. Or then we read this in this verse, and I love this verse. It says, this is again from Acts 3. It says, and you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses to this fact. Remember, they're preaching what they have witnessed. They're preaching what they can see and encounter. They're preaching their own personal testimony to the activity of Jesus in their lives. And listen to this verse. And again, it comes so clear. Peter says this. 
Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that Jesus, this man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man who crucified, um, but whom God raised from the dead. My point is, is that when it comes to preaching, because even here, again, they're pointing to the present day activity of Jesus in their lives, that when it comes to preaching and teaching and sharing about Jesus, what I think we notice in the early church is they start with the present day reality of Jesus, is that they start with him. They start with how he is moving. They start with pointing him out in their lives and the lives around them. And I think sometimes in the Western evangelical, kind of modern Western church, we've actually gone a little bit astray. That for many of us, when we start to talk about Jesus, we start thinking about abstracts, theories, apologetics, theology, or doctrine. And again, like honestly, none of that is wrong. I read 50 to 75 theology books a year, okay? There's nothing wrong with theology, doctrine, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, like Chris is giving me a face. I was like, that's really nerdy. It's super, maybe, maybe reading that many is a little bit of a problem, okay? <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with reading and learning in that. But what I want to state as clearly as I can, that when it comes to sharing about Jesus, we should not be starting with theology. We should not be starting with theory. We should not even be starting necessarily just with scripture. We should be starting with Jesus Christ. Amen? This is the place we begin, with him, with his actual real life experiences with us. Because what I want to preach very boldly and very clearly is that I believe, follow with me, I believe that not only did Jesus Christ die and rise again 2,000 years ago, I actually believe he's still active here today. Anyone want to say amen to that? Right? That our faith, follow with me, our faith is not just about what has happened, but what is actually happening. Right? That's what our faith is. And I 100% believe in the historical, bodily, actual, physical death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But do you want to know why I believe it? It's not because there are so many great historical accounts of it, and there are, and there's lots of good rational reasons for it. But the real reason that I believe in the bodily death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is because I have met Jesus in my own life here today. Are you seeing the difference in how much this matters? Because I can say, like Peter and like John, that God raised Jesus from the dead and we are witnesses to this fact. I'm a witness to this fact because I've experienced Jesus in my life. I've encountered him in my life and I hope you have as well. So what I want to say as clearly as I can, whether it's been clear or not up until this point, what I want to say is that to just speak about the activity of Jesus in the past, but to miss him in the present is totally missing the point. Amen? Right? If all we're ever talking about is what Jesus did in the past, but we can't clearly name and articulate how he's moving in our lives and our community lives to notice him in the present, we're missing the point. Because when Peter and John saw an opportunity, when they were filled with the Spirit, did you notice that verse? It says in Acts 4 that Peter was filled with the Spirit and then speaking about Jesus, that when they saw an opportunity and were filled with the Spirit, they started to preach and teach about how they have seen Jesus move. Not just secondhand accounts, but actual personal encounters with Jesus Christ. And I think that this matters. And I think that we need this more and more and more. I want to share with you why. And to share with you why, I need to share with you a little bit about our middle son, Asher. <laughs> now, oh, Asher. Uh, yeah, Asher. Now, I've shared about Asher here before. But if you don't know Asher well, um, Asher is our child who feels like all the feels, okay? Like he has all the feelings that are running uh, throughout his little body all the time. They're just so present to him. And honestly, if Asher is feeling something, it's very present to everyone else <laughs> as well, okay? This is both beautiful and difficult, right? Because he just feels everything and it's just so, it's so present and so real and sometimes even overcoming on him, these emotions. So if things are good, right? Like he is just so excited and exuberant and full of life. Like if I bring him home a Timbit, some days he's just dancing around saying, best day ever, best day ever, best day ever. But if something goes a little bit sideways, if something doesn't quite happen like he was hoping for, it can also quickly turn into like the worst day ever and that everything is terrible and that nothing is going well. These feelings for him are just really, really present. 
And this affects his relationship with God. And some of you are probably going to relate to this, right? Because when he's feeling close to God, it's the best thing ever. But when he's feeling distant from God, it's the most difficult thing ever. So he was in one of these spaces where God just seemed distant to him the other day. And the main reason was, was because he was praying and he just felt like God wasn't answering. Anybody ever been there before, right? That's what he felt. Uh, he said to me, he's like, Dad, I'm praying for God to end the coronavirus. And he's not. He's not even talking to me. He's not even responding. He's like, is God even real? I don't think he's real anymore. And he starts to get into the spiral, right? And he starts to wonder about God and doubting him. So I start to share with him some Bible stories about the reality of God. You want to know what that does? That doesn't help at all, actually. All it does is increase his tension and his doubt because he starts to say, but how do you know that verse is true, Dad? How do you know that? What if people are making up about Jesus' death and resurrection? What if they were lying? Dad, how do we know that God is even loving? What if they're lying about that? And then he starts to go deeper and he's like, Dad, why does God in the Old Testament look so different than God in the New Testament? And he's just going like question after question and doubt after doubt after doubt. Like, you can pray for us because he's seven, um, you know, when he becomes a teenager. Um, but this is where his heart was at. This is where his mind was at. He just couldn't, you know, believe in that moment because his feelings were so real to him. So do you want to know what I did? What did I do? First, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I didn't do. The first thing I didn't do was tell him about all the historical accuracy of the translations and the canonization process of our scriptures to know that we can trust in them. Like, I know all that stuff, and trust me, if you don't know it, you can trust in our scriptures. Like, you absolutely can. But I didn't do that. You know what else I didn't do? I didn't pull out N.T. Wright's massive book, The Son of God and the Resurrection of the Son of God. This is his, like, magnum opus. opus. Um, if you've ever read, read or seen like Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ, this is like that, but on like steroids, okay? Like it's so, so deep. I didn't pull out all that to show how the resurrection is attested to and why we can believe it from historical reality and a historical point of view. I also didn't start with philosophy. I didn't say, well, bud, you know what? If there isn't a God, then we wouldn't have things like being, consciousness, and bliss, that you need a transcendent reality for that to be real. I didn't get into that. Do you want to know what I did? That's what I did to him. I told him, I said, you know what, how I know that God is true? Do you want to know how I know that Jesus is true? Do you want to know how I know that the scriptures are true? I turned to him and I said, hey, bud, listen, I have all those same doubts sometimes. I have all those same struggles sometimes. But the reason that I know that God is true, that Jesus is loving, and that God is with you right now is because I have experienced him. I have encountered him. I actually know him. I turn to my own personal experience with Jesus that validates, that validates the reality for him. So what I did then was I started to share with him all the places that we have seen Jesus in our lives. I shared with him how, do you remember when you were scared a few weeks ago and you prayed and God took away those fears? And he's like, yes. I said, do you remember a few weeks ago how you prayed over Eden and how you spoke so directly into her life? And he's like, yeah, I remember that moment. I started to share how we've just seen God move in our family in the last few weeks. What I did was not point to some uh, theory, to some abstract notion or to some doctrine. What I did was point him directly to Jesus because what I believe is that Jesus is still alive and well. Amen? So we should have eyes to see him and a courage to boldly proclaim and to speak his movement in our lives and in the lives around us. This is what changed for Asher. It wasn't theory or options or abstracts. It was knowing that Jesus was alive and well. So what I told him was that I see Jesus every day. I told him how Jesus has made me, has made me so much more kind and loving. Because like Chris can agree to this. I, I was so arrogant and prideful and jerky without Jesus. That's like true. <laughs> Like, honestly, if, if you need a reason to believe in Jesus, if you knew me like 20 years ago, you would see it. Like, there is no other reason for how I've been changed but other than Jesus Christ. When you can point to those things, right, that's when Jesus comes alive and well. And here's why I just think we need to get in the habit of being like Peter and John, where we say we are witnesses to Jesus. Here's how we've seen him. Because what I think is needed in our day and age more than ever is people willing to share about Jesus. Because have you noticed? 
Have you noticed in our day and age, people like to debate things. Have you seen this like online at all, right? Have you noticed that even in our day and age that unquestionably true things, people doubt or label as like false narratives or fake news or whatever else. Has anybody else ever seen any of this junk on social media, right? This is what's happening all over in our place and in our day and age. Well, here's what I think is really hard for people to, not, to, to deny in this day and age or to debate. It's really hard for people to deny or debate the actual change that they see in your life, the actual movement of Jesus in our lives. So what I think we need is the courage to share with vulnerability, with grace, with openness, how Jesus is moving in our lives. That's what I think we need. And that's what I think church is about. I think church is about not only being grounded on Jesus, but also a willingness to share the present day activity of Jesus. We need to get in that habit. That's what Peter and John do. They keep saying, look, Jesus is there. He's healed this man. Look, Jesus was a part of our lives. We are witnesses to it. And they just keep sharing about Jesus. This is what I think we need. And this is what I think is core to church. So what today is my main point? My main point is just really simple, okay? My main point is this, that I believe that to be the church, we need to witness to the work of Jesus in our lives. I want to say that again. This is what I believe. That to be the church, we need to witness to the work of Jesus in our lives. Right? I think this is where we need to begin. I think this is where we need to start, with witnessing to the work of Jesus in our lives. And I know that word witness, it's kind of an old word. It's kind of an old-time religious word, but I want to redeem it because I think it matters. Because to be a witness, I'm choosing it intentionally. To be a witness, you need to do two things, right? You need to see something and speak up about it. That's what witnesses do. They see something and they speak up about it. And that's what I think we need to truly be the church. We need to see Jesus moving and then speak up about it, share it, and to actually proclaim it and preach it and witness to it and testify to it. That's what we need, a willingness to see and name and share the activity of God in our lives. Anyone want to just say amen to that? Isn't that what church is? right? A church is not just listening to an online sermon, not that that's bad, right? But it's so much deeper and better than that. It's a group of people filled with the Holy Spirit, willing to share the present day activity of Jesus with those around them. That's church. And that's what we're called to do. So what does this mean for us practically? Well, hopefully you can see this coming. I want to challenge you today to speak and share and witness to Jesus. That's what I think, right? That's what I think we need, right? And I think this is where we need to begin. So how do you do that practically? Well, first, here's the first thing. You need to start paying attention for Jesus in your life. You need to start looking for Jesus in your life. You need to start watching and listening and noticing his activity in your life because this is what I believe, okay? I believe that in every single person and in every single place, Jesus is moving, amen? Maybe put it this way. There is no place where Jesus isn't active. There is no place where like Jesus is absent. Jesus is everywhere and a part of everything and he is working and he is moving. The question is, is are we seeing it? Are we looking for it? Are we paying attention to it? Now, of course, when I say that Jesus is active everywhere, I'm not downplaying or denying the fact that sometimes God's presence can be incredibly hard to find. Anybody else ever had that happen before? Right? I've gone through months of just, sometimes God just seems absent. That is true at times that we can go through those seasons. But what I want to state really, really clearly then is knowing that Jesus is everywhere and working should encourage us to never give up searching, looking, and paying attention for him because I believe he is active in every single place, in every single life, and in every single community. So we need to pay attention for him. And if today, if today you're like, I, I don't know how to see him, I'm, I'm struggling to find him, here's what I want to encourage you with. And this might seem a little bit funny, you might not see this coming, but if you want to start to pay attention to God in your life, here's how you do that. You start to read the Bible a lot, like a lot. You really need to study scripture and get immersed in scripture because you know what scripture is about? Scripture is about pointing us to Jesus. That's what it is. 
And so when you learn and study scripture, what you'll start to learn then is to notice the kinds of things that God does, to notice the kinds of things that Jesus says, to notice the kinds of things that Jesus is active in. And once you start to get that framework, you can start to see him move in your life. So today, today I have a challenge. Would you actually share Jesus's activity in your life? Would you witness to it? And that begins with paying attention and that begins with looking and that begins then with courage to share it. And so the next step then is once you've seen is to actually name it and share it. And so today, I thought I could give you some theory about how to do that well, about evangelism and about all of that. But this sermon isn't about theory. This sermon is about Jesus, right? That churches are to actually share Jesus. So rather than give you theory about it, I'm going to do that. I thought I would just share with you how I've seen Jesus active in our lives in the past few weeks. How I've seen his present day activity that is still shaping me and changing me and reminding me that he is here and his presence is good and that he has good in store for us. So here's how I've seen Jesus in the past few weeks. On the day of my dad's death, I got an email from two beautiful Christ-filled people in our church. And it was an email that they had no idea what I was holding that day, that they had no idea what I was going through, but they just sensed that this was the day to send it to me. And when I received it, it was like just a confirmation that God's presence was with me and for me, and it was there so strong. And it was just a beautiful reminder that God is active all around me. I just, it was a moment where Jesus became so real to me again and again. There was another day where Beachwood Donuts showed up because Beachwood Donuts are amazing. Some of you, some of you, some of you want to say amen to that. But there's a pastor that I'm mentoring in North Toronto, uh, Ray Liu. You're doing an amazing job, buddy. You're doing an amazing, amazing job. And he sent us Beachwood Donuts without me having any idea. And of course, those donuts show up on a day where, you ever had this day where you're like, I don't know if I'm doing anything. I don't know if I'm having any impact. I don't know if what I'm doing matters. And all of a sudden, there's a reminder of that. That's Jesus showing up through donuts, which can happen because they are beautiful. We've also then seen Jesus show up even in our daughter's Eden's life the other week. Um, the other week she decided to accept Jesus, which was a beautiful, amazing, moving moment. But then she's been praying to Jesus so much more. So the other day she was so scared in her room. And so she came down and she said, Dad, I was so scared in my room, but I prayed to Jesus. And he told me everything is going to be okay. So I wasn't scared anymore. So I said goodbye and I hung up because she thinks of prayer like a phone call. And I think it's beautiful, so I'm not changing that, right? But that was again, Jesus showing up in that moment or even... You wonder why I've seen him so often? It's in sermons, actually, because most of you might not realize this, but most of my sermons, when I would go to write them, there is so much effort and time, and really there are crutches that help me. I'd read dozens of books and put in hours into this stuff. I'd practice it and prepare it. But in this strange season, all of that's been taken away, but yet still God is showing up and speaking and doing things and encouraging and leading. And if you think, if you think that I could preach this straight without cuts, without any of that, without the Holy Spirit, I am just not that good. Okay, I am not. It's like, like, there is no way that would happen. This is just God speaking and reminding me that he's with me and his presence is with me. So what I'm saying is, as hopefully clearly as I can, is that we need to witness to the activity of Jesus in our lives. Somebody say amen to that. Because that's what we need. That's what our church needs. That's what our community needs. We need to not only point to what Jesus has done in the past, that he has died and rose again. Yes and amen to that. But he did that so he is still active here today. We need to name his activity in our life, in your life, in our community's life, so that people might come to life in Jesus. So they might know, as Peter said, that he is the Messiah, that he is Savior, and there is no other name under which we are saved. We need to point to him. And that happens. And that happens when we start looking and paying attention to him and then having the courage and the boldness to share it and to name it. So what's my main point today? It's that the church is to witness to Jesus. The church is to be a witness to the work of Jesus. The church is to be a witness and a testifier to the activity of Jesus. And then what's my challenge today? My challenge is to do that. 
Would you witness to the work of Jesus in your life? Would you share the work of Jesus in your life? It can be as simple as maybe saying to your family or your friends, to your home church, to your kids or whatever, to just name some of the places you've seen Jesus in the past few weeks. And these don't need to be big, amazing, you know, uh, miraculous moments. They certainly can be, right? We learned about that last week, that God can show up in amazing ways and heal whole people, right? But maybe for you, it's like donuts, right? Like for me, or it's an encouragement, or it's a phone call, or it's a scripture that God gives to you, or it's just something that God says to you that's just been there and present for you. The question I want to ask you is just, are you looking and then are you willing to share it? That's what I want to encourage you with. I want to ask you, are you willing and are you willing to share? Because I think we need to hear these stories in our community. And then I want to push this one step further. Okay? I want to actually really challenge you that if you can, would you send your story of Jesus' activity to us here at church, to us here at Bethany? I want to invite you to actually take a moment and either write out or to do a short video of you just answering this question. This is where I've seen Jesus in my life. This is where I've seen Jesus in my life. And then just answer it. Just like those examples I just gave to you of how Jesus is in our lives. Because what I want to do next week is I actually want to share some of those videos right here and right now online together with one another. I actually want to testify to the work of Jesus in our community. And do you want to know what my deep hope is? That you would take us up on this and you would email us at communications at bethanycc.ca. But my real hope with this is that we would be so overwhelmed with the number of stories that we wouldn't even be able to share them all next week, that we'd have to just keep sharing them and keep sharing them and keep sharing them. Because I actually believe that Jesus is active in our community. Amen? He is active in my life and I know he is active in yours. So would you have eyes to see him and then a courage and a willingness to share him with those around you? And would you share it with us so that we can encourage one another and share it with all of us? Because I do believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again and that he is still in the business of bringing life today. That's what he's in the business of doing, showing up and meeting us today. Peter and John said that God rose, uh, rose Jesus from the dead and they said, we are witnesses to this fact. And I want to proclaim that I'm a witness to this fact. And I hope you can say that as well. So my challenge is this week, would you witness to the work of Jesus and would you share that with others? Share it around your dinner table, share it around your home church, share it with those around you because we need this. We need to be reminded of not only how Jesus is active, but that he is active here today. And with that, would you join with me in prayer this morning? God, I just pray, might we continue to share your presence with, Lord, with boldness, with courage, with vulnerability, with grace. I pray, God, would you give us eyes to see all the myriad of ways that you're working and these beautiful moments and sublime moments and everyday moments. Would you give us eyes to just sense your spirit and your presence and your movement? And then, God, would we have the courage to share that with those around us? Because, God, we know you are working and we have seen that and we ask, might we continue to see it more and more and more? And might we trust in you more and more and more? And might we follow you more and more? and more. And we pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Grace and peace, everyone. Bye-bye.